This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Here's the deal. Customer service gets a bad rap, but the truth is that when done well, solving customers' needs is an awesome experience. And when you can actually give them a good experience and make their day, that's just icing on the cake. Reaching that outcome, though, takes work. And the market for how customer service outsourcing is conducted has been changing over the last few years. Companies such as Alorica are emerging in this industry thanks to its ability to adapt to the changing landscape of our world and deliver a service that takes some of the hard work out of the customer service process. The market for customer service outsourcing is changing dramatically. What had been a fairly well-established model where we could operate call centers on behalf of our clients and manage that customer experience more cost-efficiently and effectively is getting disrupted. And a big part of that is the way that technology is supporting more personalization, new channels for customers to engage with brands, thinking through how to bring together a value proposition that takes our core of a massive distributed labor force, enables them with technology, and then delivers that outcome utilizing proven processes and techniques. That's Colson Hillier, the CMO of Alorica. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, he discusses the radical shift in how large-scale customer service departments, such as call centers, are being forced to alter their format and where Alorica comes into play. Plus, Colson details how personalization efforts continue to put the customer experience at the forefront of every decision. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Colson. How are you? I'm doing great, Ian. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the cool stuff that you have going on at Alorica, um, a really fun company that that some of our listeners might not know, and we'll, we'll share a bunch more about that and get into your background. So how'd you get started in marketing in the first place? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that there was like a specific point that I look back on, but uh, I mean, to me, marketing is just really about sort of being um, sort of close to uh, human behavior and uh, understanding how to sort of position and uh, solve problems for folks. And I guess the, <laughs> the first time I can remember doing that was when I was like 10 years old at a lemonade stand. And, uh, you know, I sold lemonade. But uh, when I started telling everybody that it was my amazing lemonade, uh, I noticed that people had a different reaction to it, right? They were like more interested in exactly what made it amazing. They, they uh, were like, uh, you know, smiling and more engaged. And I don't know, like my whole life, I've just sort of seen, um, I, I've been that guy that's always been curious about people and observe basically everything that's going on around me, whether it's how people shop at a supermarket or, you know, how they uh, articulate their, you know, what they do for a living, things like that. And, uh, you know, just being a curious mind, I think, is what uh, what drew me into marketing. I think uh, Calvin's dad from Calvin and Hobbes would say that uh, the lemonade stand builds character. And I think it also builds uh, people who have a healthy respect for for standing out in the cold and, and selling some delicious lemonade. <laughs> That's right. I even went into a line extension and introduced cookies. So that was uh, that was a good uh, first practice for me. 
Indeed. So flash forward to today. For our listeners who don't know, tell us about Alorica. Alorica is uh, classified as a business process outsourcer. So what that means is that we provide outsourced customer experience services for our clients. Um, as a company, we, uh, you know, we're, we're a fairly large company, privately held, but we operate in 14 different countries. We have about 100,000 employees. Um, we service some of the, the biggest, most well-known brands in, in the world by providing them customer experience support. And some of that is based in call centers and, and sort of what I'll call uh, voice-based support, or customer care or tech support, and also a, a, a full robust suite of digital services. So helping companies to understand how to apply technology to their customer experience solutions and pulling that together to try to drive um, you know, repeat customers, customer loyalty, and help companies to differentiate themselves on the basis of service. And so tell us about how you think about being the CMO. You know, it's an interesting role. Um, you know, I, my background has really been a, a lot of product development. So I've always been sort of at the forefront of trying to think about what are the products or services that we should be building in order to meet, you know, a, an opportunity or solve a customer pain point. And in a CMO role, uh, it's a little bit of a broader uh, scope of uh, responsibility, thinking about um, not just our product portfolio and, and product development, product marketing, but also um, the way that we operate and, and tell that story through our, our Marcom organization and what we do on the web and, and such. I've got a communications team that looks after how we talk, not just to our external clients and, and things like that, but also how we build our, our culture internally. Uh, a team that looks at sales enablement and helps bring together that story and, and sort of how we uh, position the company and respond to RFPs or put together our business reviews. And, um, you know, I love it. Uh, it. To me, again, it's it's really about understanding the customer first, looking at where there's opportunities and trends that um, you can see, uh, you know, are, are rooted in the, in the pain points of your customers and putting together the solutions and articulating that value proposition in a way that um, makes sense. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really fun role because you're always thinking about, you know, what's next and you're looking at different parts of the overall funnel in order to, to manage the, um, the demand curve and make sure that you're, you're standing apart from, from others that are trying to win your business. Yeah. I, I thought it was so cool that you had such a product background, uh, specifically like working, you know, obviously a long, long time at Verizon and going into a CMO role, I, were there certain things that like having that product mindset and bringing it to marketing, obviously a heavy, heavy bent on, uh, on automation, on AI, ML, analytics, all those sort of things? The market for customer service outsourcing is changing dramatically. And um, what had been a, a fairly you know, well-established model where you know, we could operate call centers on behalf of our clients and manage a bunch of you know, that, that customer experience more uh, cost efficiently and effectively uh, is getting disrupted. And, and a big part of that is the way that technology is supporting, you know, more personalization, new channels for customers to engage with brands, thinking through, you know, how to bring together a um, value proposition that takes our core of, you know, a massive distributed labor force enables them with technology and then delivers sort of that outcome utilizing proven processes and techniques. And, you know, when I looked at Alorica, I felt like, um, 
you know, they're an exceptional culture, uh, obviously a, a world-class operator, but the structure to the value proposition uh, was, you know, not where it could be. And that there was a real need to bring in a new set of digital transformation tools and bring those to market. And so, you know, my background in, in sort of building and, and bringing to market technology-focused products was, was a great fit. And uh, it allows me to come in and sort of bring the next level of transformation and, and growth to the company uh, and, and lever what was already a really, really strong foundation in, in the work that they had and the clients that they built. So, you know, we're going to talk more customer experience in a little bit here. But obviously, you know, there's this new, you know, rise of importance of of understanding the customer, understanding like not just the sales cycle, but post-sales, you know, customer journey, um, you know, lifetime value, which is something that's that's, you know, a very popular, you know, metric to track for for software companies and things like that. And when you're marketing customer experience solutions, how is that different? How do you think about, uh, about marketing CX? You know, I, I think that more and more of the overall value proposition that brands are sort of bringing to their clients is rooted in how customers feel about that experience. And the you know, ability to utilize service as a differentiator is increasingly important. When you think about the sort of ROI of service, the sort of traditional view was that, you know, the, the service is sort of a, uh, an expense to the company. It's a back office, you know, uh, necessity. You know, something didn't go right, customers unhappy, you know, do what you need to in order to sort of solve that customer's pain point in as inefficient or as, as in an efficient way as possible. Yeah, it's a great point. And like now, it, you know, especially coming from sort of a, a marketing mindset, I, I think about the sort of massive investment that companies make in building their products or uh, launching an advertising campaign or preparing all their channels to stock and, and, and be able to articulate a value proposition. And you've got to connect that to the service experience because the customer thinks about things holistically. And, and oftentimes, you know, where you build your brand loyalty and your apostles within your customer base is when things don't go right. And you can take an experience that uh, didn't go down sort of a green path and make it something that a customer says, wow, you know, this was a company that stood behind the product. They understood my uh, issue and they did what was necessary to resolve it. And, you know, more and more, I think you're seeing companies put in place a role of a customer experience officer. You're looking at, like you said, a more holistic view of the customer rooted in lifetime value. And there's more and more of an appreciation for the, the service and post-purchase experience that a customer has as uh, you know, senior executives look at you know, how they move the needle on lifetime value and loyalty and, and sustainability uh, with their customers in terms of their brand. Do you think that that CX is something um, that marketers like need to own? Is it something that you're like part of the puzzle uh, or that you need to like share a number in the same way that you would like, you know, back in the day people would say, you know, share the band or, or you know, sh- share a number with sales. Like is CX something that you, that you share? Um, certainly. Like the core metric that sort of the industry was built on was net promoter score, right? So 
after every interaction that you have with the customer, you know, you get a simple, simple sort of question and say, would you recommend X, Y, or Z to, to a family or friend? And, um, you know, I think there's a lot more that you can build out around that, right? You could talk about things like, uh, are they repeat visitors? Are they, um, you know, being advocates in their own voice, whether that's in social or reviews or things like that. But at its core, um, that question answers whether or not you, you've met a customer's expectations and that you're building loyalty and trust and delivering to a customer. And so I certainly think that there's a number of different metrics that you can put around customer experience and that you need to have a data-driven mindset uh, in order to sort of understand where you're, where you're achieving your goals and where you're not. So you've talked um, about omni-channel in the past. I'm curious, like, how do you think about omni-channel as a, as a CMO? I think, you know, omni-channel could be used in a number of different contexts. But in my um, sort of simplistic view is that you need to be able to meet customers where they want to be uh, serviced. And customers will sort of naturally segment themselves, right? You see a lot more of today's generation focused on uh, things like chat. Um, you hear a lot of buzz around being able to buy things digitally, but you know, the, the vast majority of, of sales to still continue to take place in, in traditional brick and mortar. And so, you know, the first thing is to, to respect the customer and understand that there's, you know, particularly now with the, the uh, sort of rapid sort of uh, evolution of technology, you've got a lot of different customer segments that align to different channel preferences. And I think, you know, for a omni-channel solution to work, you need to think about one, where customers want to be met, and then two, like how you orchestrate those experiences across the channels. So rather than to think of your, your retail experiences independent from your online experience or different differentiated from your you know, experience you might have on a mobile device or an app, those things need to be sequenced together and sort of help to sort of provide the right information in the right context. Uh, based on customer preference. You launched last year um, a really cool thing that I'd wonder if you could share more about, uh, which is Alorica Anywhere. What is that and how did that, how did that you know, come about and, and uh, what was that release like? Yeah, thanks a lot for that. Um, Alorica Anywhere is essentially the halo or, or brand that we give to our solutions for distributed workforce. So, um, you know, obviously over the past year, uh, we've completely flipped our, our business model from one where, you know, we did a massive amount of interviewing and bringing folks into course sites and developing training curriculums that were designed to help them, you know, build confidence and acumen, uh, managing performance with all kinds of different tools to, to build sort of uh, teaming and motivation within our centers obviously all supported with digital tools that uh, help complement that. And, you know, over the past year, we've had to completely rethink every way that we uh, service and deliver what is essentially the same value proposition in an entirely different operating model. And that's a work anywhere. So the idea is that, you know, no longer is a workforce constrained, uh, no longer is our technology constrained, and that, you know, at this sort of point in time, it doesn't matter whether you're at a WeWork facility, you're sitting at home, you're uh, in another country, the ability to combine technologies like 
cloud technologies, uh, CRM and, and personalization, information management, all of that comes together in order to allow us to execute and, and deliver that service experience from, from any place on earth. And, um, you know, Alorca Anywhere is essentially the halo to say that, yes, you know, we can uh, conduct interviews utilizing a messenger bot and be able to hire somebody in the Philippines utilizing uh, the algorithms that are run on our servers in the U.S. <laughs> we can train utilizing distributed tools that allow us to, you know, do all kinds of different role plays and, and competence testing. We can build our sort of sense of culture utilizing um, gamification and avatars and sort of uh, collaboration software that, that sits on all of our agents' desks. And, um, you know, it's been a, a really uh, interesting and exciting um, sort of transformation of the company. And uh, Alorica Anywhere is, is killing it. We've got like uh, over 70% of our uh, workforce right now uh, on, on that platform. And, uh, you know, we're, we're operating at or above the same sort of quality metrics that, that we traditionally used in brick and mortar. So for Lorica Anywhere, um, I'm curious, like as you rolled this out, was this something that like you rolled out as like a traditional kind of like product launch? Was this something that you, how did you, how did you think about it? Like from a marketing perspective? Well, I would have liked to, um, <laughs> but we got hit with COVID uh, in the middle of March and all of our clients, you know, were, were handling billions of contacts every year, needed to sort of maintain service levels. So in, in a traditional product development cycle, you would be doing a lot of more sort of upfront diligence around defining the marketing requirements, testing and validating with clients and customers. Uh, pushing into a, a limited production and then, and then sort of driving your lifecycle management. There was sort of a, a break the glass moment uh, as we sort of moved into uh, a distributed workforce. And, you know, there were, there were components of this that, that we had already in our, in our stack or in our portfolio. And so, you know, it wasn't like it was a, a full flash cut, but we were defining processes on the fly. And, um, you know, we were making technology decisions uh, in real time. And, you know, the, the, the trick was that, you know, you needed to sort of have the right sort of measurement and ability to sort of understand what was working and what wasn't. And so, you know, the ability to sort of get past that break the glass moment into one that, you know, we've sort of moved to and through now, which is, okay, now how do you um, stabilize, scale, and grow? It was, uh, it was really more of a... Uh, uh, an exercise and sort of learning in a um, real-time fashion as opposed to going through a lot of the traditional discipline of product development. So what did, what did that, you know, planning look like as, as you changed gears there? How did you kind of work with the team to, to push something through that was much faster to do diligence faster? Like, do you think it might change your campaigning strategy going forward? Is this a, is it a future all the time fix? To your process, or was it kind of more like one time? Uh, no, I definitely think there's some good lessons uh, that we learned through the process. You know, from a marketer standpoint, the most important thing for me was to make sure that we had the right sort of systematic ability to know what was working and what wasn't. And luckily, as a, as a company that really is sort of data driven, we measure almost every aspect of our overall delivery framework. And so, we what we really rooted on is 
uh, our employee base. And, you know, those are the folks that were out talking to customers every day. They were utilizing all the technologies that we had. And by setting up the right sort of listening posts, essentially, whether that was the surveys or utilizing some of the tools that I talked about earlier, they could give us direct feedback. Were they confident in the way the training platforms were working? Were they confident that all of the tools that they had in order to answer a customer's questions were working? Were they confident that they had good sort of voice quality? And, you know, by utilizing sort of this crowdsourced model of getting insight from, you know, 70,000, 80,000 different agents that at any one time are telling you, hey, here's where I'm having a problem, or, you know, you're not getting feedback, so it's sort of greenlit. Uh, it helped us to quickly identify where there was opportunities to make improvement and where we had process gaps. So like most things, uh, a big part of, you know, what you, you typically want to um, put in place as you launch a new product or a new campaign is the right sort of um, measurement. And if you have the right measurement, you can sort of make much more rapid decisions around what's working and what's not. And, uh, you know, sort of prioritize what it is that you need to focus on first. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like employee experience as it relates to marketing. You know, you, you're a company that obviously, you know, employs a lot of people. Um, but specifically, you know, I think we as marketers over the past year have kind of been rethinking our marketers' employee experience on our teams. You know, I know you think about this for, for your customers, for, for the company at a whole, but for your marketing teams, like, what was the employee experience like? What is it now? Like, what are some, some things to take away from how to get the most out of the people on your team and make sure that, you know, they're being taken care of during, you know, some challenging times? Yeah. I'm, thanks for asking that question. I, it, it, to me, it's... Um... One of the most foundational principles, not just of marketing, but of leadership more broadly. I think that, you know, if you think about an employee's satisfaction, it's highly correlated to their tenure. It's highly correlated to their performance. And ultimately, it's, you know, what, what the representation of your team or, or your brand is. And, you know, we've all been in situations where you, you know, come across a a retail store associate, or you talk to somebody on a on the phone with customer care, or even just you know you're out having a beer with somebody and they're they're talking about their job, and the difference between somebody who is really energized and engaged and feels like they're you know motivated and and has the right tools to be successful is is to me almost transparent. You know when you talk to somebody, uh, whether it's in a professional setting or in a personal setting, you know for me you know trying to to sort of get my team to, to, you know, it's a little different when you think about a professional versus when you're thinking about a, uh, a you know, a, a lower tenured, you know, employee that's more in a, in a role play as opposed to a leadership role. But um, the most important thing for me is to understand sort of what motivates uh, the folks that work for me. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I've always sought to do is to surround myself by people that are very different than me, right? They're, I'm not going to learn a whole lot or get a whole lot of elevated performance by bringing on a team that, that looks and thinks and, and acts like I do. And so, you know, as you build out those teams, uh, you learn a lot about what people are motivated by. And there's certainly folks that, you know, think that uh, career progression and, and advancing themselves is, is their number one reason they're there. There's others that are there to learn. There's others that are there as sort of a, a bridge into something that they want to do in a longer term. And if you understand what motivates your folks and what, what 
they are sort of hoping to take out of their, their role uh, on your team or in your company, uh, you can put them in a position to be successful. Uh, you can communicate with them on sort of uh, terms that, that sort of are, are relevant and make sense. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it's an ongoing conversation because I think that, uh, you know, if you're authentic and, and you're, you're clear about, you know, what, uh, what motivates you and, and what you're looking for out of them and they can share with you, you know, the, the same sort of insights, you start to build a relationship that becomes more than just like a job that you're showing up to. It's more about how you can, you know, make each other mutually successful. Yeah. You know, I totally agree. I think, I think we, we kind of have this difficult thing with, with marketing teams right now where you have, you know, the blending of the art and the science and the data. Um, you know, you have people who are super analytical marketers. You have people who are super creative marketers. Yeah. And finding the right places for those folks and making sure that they're staying engaged and that they're learning the, the, the other side of, of marketing is, is super important, like cross-pollinating those skills because, you know, I think there's a lot of silos, you know, in marketing and it's tough to make sure that everybody is like understanding what the other side's doing, let alone sales, um, let alone understanding that. No, that's spot on. And I, mean, I was talking earlier about, you know, becoming a CMO versus being a product marketer and coming into a uh, environment where marketing was really defined primarily as brand marketing. And uh, I think that, you know, it's a different vernacular. There's a different sort of uh, set of measurement that you use, different sort of types of talent and people. And so, you know, I've been fortunate that I'm part of a great team where we all sort of, you know, look at the mission and appreciate each other's differences. but it's clearly a very different mindset if you're thinking about somebody that is in, you know, a, a creative role that operates sort of like in our internal agency and, and you know, their, their skills are really oriented in how you, you know, more, you know, creatively and, and uh, dynamically present certain ideas. You know, they're not motivated by KPIs and, and operating numbers and such, but when they can see how, they're helping to enable some of that and, and how the messaging that we need to sort of thread through the creative uh, is important. Uh, they get jazzed by it and they've taught me a whole lot too. So it's, uh, it's been a, you know, to me, that's what make, keeps things fresh. That, that's how you learn. And that's what, that's what teams are about. What are some of your favorite uh, campaigns or maybe, maybe one campaign that you've had over the past uh, year or so that you particularly enjoyed? This is B2B marketing, right? So, where my background was much more focused in, you know, how do you develop some of the B2C, what I'll call sort of sizzle reels and uh, ability to sort of draw emotion out of your, your, your buyer. Very different in a B2B space than it is in a B2C space. You know, so, so as we've put together sort of, you know, what are the messages that are important to our customers and how do we align them and bring more value to our, our, our B2B constituents? I think some of my favorite over the past year is probably built around um, entering into new um, vertical spaces. So if you think about like a, a market that we had never serviced before, that we were trying to figure out how to position ourselves uh, as a, a credible player, understanding how we needed to change our operating model to support it. and. Uh, attract a new sort of class of buyer, content moderation is one of the things that uh, is just really fascinating to me. So, you know, the idea of content moderation, particularly on areas like social networks, is that, 
you know, there's a, a big job in protecting these platforms um, and, and managing the power of the platform and that, you know, anybody with a cell phone can upload any content uh, onto a publicly available uh, platform, you know, whether it's politics or, or otherwise, you know, that, that is a, a potential powder keg that needs to be managed. And so, you know, by sort of looking at that space and saying, hey, we, we've got a lot of the assets that are required to help sort of uh, evaluate, apply judgment, uh, train algorithms, uh, and, and provide brand safety in that space. And with brand safety, you have user safety and you have advertiser safety and you ultimately are paying off the, the commitment of the platform. You know, there's, there's a very logical line extension for us. So, you know, the, the campaign, if you call it that, was about understanding how, you know, the, the needs of somebody that's a content moderator are very different than a, a typical agent. Um, the technologies that are used in order to sort of systematically filter through content need to be deployed in a way that, that you don't have a lot of false uh, positives or false negatives. You need to um, build a brand proposition that is uh, focused on, you know, how you can uh, both train and, and support agents that are exposed to all kinds of content every day in a way that is sustainable. And, um, you know, it's been a really rewarding campaign in that it was brand new, something that had never been done before at the company. It was talking to, um, you know, a, a set of digital um, buyers that, you know, we're really trying to figure out the blend between technology and labor and, and, and looking for a partner to solution. And it's also, you know, a massive need as a, as a father of two kids that uh, spend 90% of their day on, on social networks. It was really rewarding to be able to put together programs that help provide the, the sort of safety that, that I expect as they use those sorts of uh, tools. Yeah, you know, your site boasts uh, 2 billion customer interactions per year, obviously, like, that amount of scale and scope is pretty crazy from, you know, as you're looking at it from a, uh, uh, from a product perspective, but from a marketing perspective, the idea that like, you know, you're outsourcing, you know, conversations externally, it's something like a little scary, you know, like, you know, marketers, we always want to control the message, right? We, uh, no matter who you are, you want to be like, okay, we're making sure, you know, as a marketer yourself, and someone who, uh, you know, drinks your own uh, champagne or, <laughs> or bubbly water or whatever. I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you think about outsourcing um, and uh, as, as a way to, you know, extend uh, what, what a company can do to be able to have those conversations? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think, you know, <laughs> the types of tier one clients that we have have invested billions of dollars in building their brands. And to um, essentially trust that moment of truth between a customer and their perception of your, your brand or the service that you're delivering is a, uh, it's a massive um, sort of responsibility. And, you know, as me as a marketer, and to your point, sort of being a bit of a control freak, it's about finding the right balance and, and making the outsourcer an extension of your own internal team. You know the, the the benefits of outsourcing are pretty clear, right? The, the the movement towards you know adopting new technologies and being able to deploy them and being best in class with how you execute them to deliver service 
it's very difficult for any individual company to keep up with that curve and keep up with the investment cycles. But if you're an outsourcer, you're doing it because you can sort of apply that technology across a whole bunch of different uh, clients. You know, the ability to uh, be able to flex staff and, you know, make sure that you're uh, bringing on the right sort of service levels when you have a new product launch or there's some some trigger event that, you know, requires you to sort of really staff up, like we're getting into tax season or you just finished retail. And so you get much more flexibility, you can get much more quality. What you lose is that, you know, full-on control over, over sort of the uh, ultimate moment of truth. And so we spend a lot of time um, sort of working with our clients to make sure that we understand um, who they are as a brand. Obviously, all of the policies and, and processes and the way that interaction should you know, sort of be managed. The business rules, if you will, around that uh, are defined by the client. And, you know, we, we provide a lot of insight and best practices and such, but ultimately that's their call. And, you know, we, we um, spend a lot of time um, sharing the, the insights around how effective or, or where we miss uh, with our clients are so that they, you know, they, they build the confidence that, you know, not only do we have the right sort of flexibility and scalability and cost profile and ability to execute, but that, you know, we're doing it in a way that's basically the sort of same way that they would be managing that, that sort of experience if they, if they owned it themselves. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM that is Salesforce. Lightning round questions. Colson, are you ready? Sure. Number one, what is your New Year's resolution? My New Year's resolution is to uh, take on a new hobby at least once per quarter. So uh, each quarter, I'll be doing deep dives and learning something that I didn't know in the prior quarter. And uh, this first quarter of 2021, I'm getting into tasting bourbons. What is one book or podcast or TV show or something like that that you binged last year? Shit's Creek. You want to watch a funny show that will keep you coming back for the next episode, watch Shit's Creek. Yeah, it's great. If you weren't in marketing, if you weren't really in business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? I would be a, uh, a park ranger. I'm a huge advocate of the outdoors. That's where I get my energy. And someday you're going to find me at one of our great parks. That's a great answer. I have not heard that one, uh, but I, I wholeheartedly, I don't know if I could do the job per se, <laughs> but um, maybe I can be a full-time camper and, uh, and you can be the ranger <laughs> because that, that would be easier for me. <laughs> what is your best advice for a first-time CMO? To spend as much time listening as you do uh, directing. You know, the most important thing uh, for any marketer is to sort of understand uh, the folks that they sort of work around, their customers. And, um, you know, it's, it's a job of learning as much as it is uh, teaching. What's next for Alorica? You know, I think uh, Alorica is going to help to really drive more and more digital transformation, uh, is going to be more and more a part of um, sort of our, our client strategies as opposed to being a uh, sort of component of an operations uh, expense and uh, hopefully bring a lot more creativity and collaboration to, uh, to our clients. Well, you know, you said, um, you said a quote that I love 
when you said that an insanely great customer experience is a direct result of an insanely great employee experience. And I, I feel the same way about marketing, right? And it, a great uh, a great marketing campaign is a direct result of, of an insanely great, uh, you know, marketing team's experience. Um, and so I think that's a good lesson for, for all the CMOs and marketing leaders out there this year of focusing on your team and making sure that that their processes and that their their way that they work is being optimized. Because after the last year that we just had, I think that that's a, a great way to look at stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You think about what we love to do as marketers, and it's about sort of getting together and collaborating and, and ideating around a whiteboard and, and thinking about how we sort of continue to feed off one another with creative ideas and, and, and make progress. And uh, when you take away that sort of fabric, it's a... It's a total change. And, uh, you know, if you don't take some time to uh, figure out how to have some fun, how to keep people engaged and, you know, the, deliver a little bit of empathy into the workforce, um, you know, you're going to lose your, you're going to lose the spirit of what makes marketing great. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Uh, for listeners, you can check out uh, lorica.com. Um, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're interested in, in BPO, you know, give them a look. Any final thoughts, anything to plug? No, just uh, look. You know, as a as a marketer, we adapt and we and we survive. And so, this past year uh, has certainly challenged a lot of us. And uh, I hope, uh, at least in my sense, taught me a lot of different skills, gave me a different perspective on on how to deliver results in, in different models. And uh, you know, that's what that's what keeps us uh, fresh and, and, and keeps things fresh. So, you know, onward and upward. Awesome. Thanks again for joining. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. 
Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.